Go to College, They Said, a podcast hosted by Get Involved NC, your center for student engagement and leadership at Niagara College. We're here for students who are looking to make the most out of their time in college, enhance their experience, make connections, and gain a competitive edge. This is an all-access pass for students to listen, learn, and start to lead with their best professional foot forward. So go to college, they said. It'll be fun, they said. Okay, so welcome back to Go to College, They Said, a podcast for our students and community, and it is your host, Sarah, here, as always, and I have my lovely co-host, Dana, Dana Brown, who is, I'll let Dana, uh, I'll let you introduce yourself. Hello, I'm back. I'm Dana Brown, Student Experience Coordinator in the Center for Student Engagement and Leadership, and we have another team member here with us who works in our office the lovely Vanessa. Yeah, so thank you for being on the podcast. Vanessa is part of our wider EAC team, so Engagement Advising and Career Services, and she is one of our career consultants within our career services team. So Vanessa, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. We are recording over Zoom. We are definitely missing our office and being in person, but this is the next best thing. It's so nice to see your face and chat with you. And you have so much knowledge that I want to kind of share with the students, especially in terms of interview tips and tricks. You've done presentations on kind of like small talk and pitching yourself. So lots of really great knowledge for the students. But let's get to know you a bit. So if you want to tell us who you are, where you're from, your current like career path, what you do, things like that. Sure. Yeah. So like you've mentioned, I'm part of your team. through engagement, advising, and career services. I'm currently a career consultant at Niagara College, but a little bit about me and why I love what I do is that I also did not have a linear career path. Um, So I'm originally from Timmins, Ontario, shout out to the North, and did my studies in criminology at the University of Ottawa. I then bridged into business and worked corporate Toronto for four or five years totally burnt out and then picked Niagara on a map, moved here and absolutely fell in love. So now I'm at the college and I coach students through similar transitions and really anything that they need support with through their career career journey. Yeah, that's me. That's so awesome. I think that's so unique. Dana and I always find us saying this is that we both have such random, not random, but like you said, not the traditional career path or education or combination of both. And I think that makes you like so unique in, in your role that you end up in is because you have such a wide perspective. But what is traditional anyways? I know, right? (laughs) Exactly. What were you going to say, Dave? I was going to say it's so interesting. Every guest we have on to hear what they did in their the first time they went to post-secondary is totally different from where they end up. But I think that's good. Like you said, Vanessa, it's not traditional anymore, but I think it's a good reminder to this, our students who are just starting in September or going into their second or third or fourth year that not everything is written in stone when you're just starting out. And no matter what you're doing, you're bettering yourself with some form of education and you're just, you're going to, it's going to be okay. You're going to end up somewhere totally different, but to hear you say you love what you do and you're, you pick Niagara on a map and here you are so happy and talking to us living through COVID 
making it happen. It's just, I think just if we can all remember that, that life's going to take you on a path, but you're going to end up in a great spot. So I just love how criminology, I feel like I didn't even know that about you. I I know. I know. university somewhere before but what was your hope when you first started um university going in for criminology what did you want to do my past I call it my past life I wanted to be a lawyer that makes so much sense by the way if you know (laughs) I feel like that makes so much sense yeah I um but you know what like I just I really and I think and we'll bring it up in in the interview piece too which I think it ties in well but I mean, that's what school is for, right? You are going to change and you are going to develop and learn new things about yourself. And when I was going to school, I just realized like my need to help people and support people is just, that's my motivator day to day. And so I just felt like the track I was going down wasn't going to get me there and wasn't going to make me happy. So um, I kind of pivoted, but yeah, it's yeah, past life. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And how your drive to like help people and you still like those kind of like transferable skills. Absolutely. Yeah. Take from experiences and, and maybe your path of education shifted into something else, but you still learn so much. And I feel like that's what's a big takeaway for our students is that even if you do find yourself in a program or even if it's like an elective course that you take that you're like, what is this really doing for me? the connections that you're making along the way are what's making it worthwhile. Uh, and I think now your college does a really good job at creating that culture and that atmosphere. And, and I know that we're really trying to pull that out during this time that we are not in person as well. So yeah, I just think it's like a really cool tie into your background and, and your personality into where you ended up now. Even I, though your personality works perfectly with the job you have <laughs> now, but yeah. Vanessa, have you seen like a shift of when you first started working with students about their career that at first people think that the one job they had or the one course they're in, like they're just kind of siloed to one path and they don't have, they never really understood what transferable skills or soft skills or employability skills are and how, you know, one job in a completely different sector can transfer to any other career path. Have you seen that now that we've kind of been putting that out there over the past couple years or that the new message to students when they start off in post-secondary have you seen that there is a difference like it doesn't matter so much what I do or this one elective I can build skills that will help me for whatever I decide to do has that been there yet or is that still kind of a challenge that they're trying to overcome I definitely think that the um, like you've pointed out, the conversation has really changed from what you're doing, like that specific job to more of like how you're doing it and those skills has changed. But coming into post-sec, the mentality is still like you're asked from so young, what do you want to be when you're older? And then, and that's literally the first question you're asked often. You go to family dinner. So what are you thinking you're going to do, right? So I think coming into post-sec, if I see students early on in their studies are still very much like linear in their thinking, but I think the college does such a great job of talking about skills and highlighting those and through all the events that we host and all the things that we do that when I see them at the end as a graduating student, their conversation has changed a little bit and their approach has changed and they kind of we're speaking the same language about skills, which I think is really great. 
but yeah, when you, when they come into post-sec, oftentimes it's still very like, I thought I was going to do this and I'm not liking this. Right. So yeah, but it's definitely changed throughout their education. Absolutely. I think that's one really rewarding part of our jobs too, is that we do get to see the growth while within college it is maybe a shorter time frame that we have the students but it's just you get to see their growth that they don't always recognize either like I know my leadership students come in and they wouldn't even like consider themselves a leader and then by the end of it they're like what can I facilitate what it's just so rewarding to see them grow and be that kind of encouragement along the way to say look at the skills you're building and yeah when they're when they're not sure if they have that like cookie cutter I'm supposed to do this I'm supposed to go to school I'm supposed to go to school for this and you're there being like okay but like what are you loving what are you learning I think it's so key to their growth to have someone doing that and I really think it takes the entire village right they have to hear it in class about their skills so like on the course outcomes there's skills listed, things you'll achieve there's all the extracurricular programming there's the get involved portal there's us like I think it's your academic advisors like it's the whole village just saying you're not just the course you're taking mm-hmm. right which is really important yeah and that's definitely I would say like the college touch because you don't yeah. get that sometimes at larger institutions yeah, you really don't that's like what I love so much about that atmosphere and that community that we build in speaking about kind of what is going on right now I feel like we always touch on it but it's truly like the new normal that we're facing. So what do you see or foresee as some trends into like the job hunt, career challenges, things that that might look like now for students? Yeah, I don't sugarcoat it. It's tough. It's a really, really tough market. I think trends we're going to see are going to be different jobs. Like I don't think people are going to be graduating and looking for work exactly what they thought it would be when they first started their program. I think that that's something that students have to be mindful of or graduates. I think it's also going to be slow. Employers are only now trying to figure out, get their feet on the ground from being closed, some of them for months and some still closed. So I think it's a tough market right now. Trends are, I think, even just slow to start. So like interviews are picking back up virtually, of course, but then And then they'll make a hire and they don't know when that student's able to start. So I think right now it's just a lot of questions left unanswered and no one has the answers. And I think that that's something that people will have to be mindful of as they go through this process right now. But even if students, or I guess it depends, some, like you said, some employers are hiring. We can pretty much guarantee at some point our students will have to go through the interview process. And I feel like unless they come to see you or some other members of our career team, they might not know too much about the questions that are supposed to be asked. So I remember, you know, I only really learned about interviews a little bit way back in grade 10 for that civics and career course and so much changes. So I thought we could talk a bit about the questions that every person, like you're going to get some of these main questions that doesn't matter what kind of job you're going in for. Because I remember thinking someone would always say, okay, you're going to get asked, tell me a little about yourself, which I always found so awkward to answer. But actually, I haven't really ever been asked that too much in all the interviews I've done. So I'm wondering if you can tell us kind of what are those common questions looking like in 2020 and how students can be prepared for them because you could pretty much guarantee they're going to get one of these main questions. For sure. So first of all, I'm going to address that interviews are incredibly difficult because I think... 
people are nervous talking about themselves in a professional way. I think it's easy to talk about pastimes and skills, like, and, and things that you do and tell stories, but to, you know, put your professional experiences on paper or even talk about them is difficult. And then you don't know what's professional and what's not. So that's, so the tell me about yourself question it is a popular question. And that's how every interview starts actually to break the ice. But it doesn't always sound like tell me about yourself. Sometimes it'll be walk us through your resume. You're right. I'm just thinking back. Yeah, like, it's, it's always, not, I it's like the. It's not always tell us about yeah. yourself like that direct, but there's always that opening question. Right. Because they want to see at that point, you know, your attitude and your tone and your approach and what you're bringing up first in that piece is, is things that you value, right? And giving context to some of the other questions that they're going to ask. So there's always some type of opening question. And that's usually what people have a hard time with. And I think now more than ever, that question is going to be so important because virtual interviewing is the way that it's going to be for a while, I believe, my uh, future prediction. And because we have the tools, right? So why would, why would people risk their safety and your safety for an interview when we have the ability to do it virtually? So I think more than ever, that question is going to be important because they're going to want to connect with you via video, which is even harder to do. At least in person, you, got, you kind of can bounce off each other's vibes or you get a sense of the room or the space you're in. But doing it from your home, potentially with distractions, there's this, this sort of introductory question is going to be important to set the tone and give yourself and your interview some personality. So I think more than ever, that question is going to be important. The other question that I think is going to come up a lot is really how did you spend your summer 2020? So I've been on multiple webinars kind of addressing this and multiple employers have said, you know, saying that you Netflix and chilled all summer is not an appropriate answer and that you binged Modern Family. Like we all love Modern Family, but that's, you know, not an appropriate thing you want to showcase. What you want to skill. Yeah. Keep that to yourself. Yeah. So I think being aware that that's coming, put some thought into, you know, maybe things that have changed in your routine. So if it's, you've introduced walking for 30 minutes a day, and that's something new that you introduced into your routine or learned a new sport. Like I took up golfing this summer. So that's, you know, it's not really work related, but it's showing that I took some of that extra time I had and and applied it into self-growth, reading different books. But again, if you're going to provide some answers that aren't necessarily like you took extra courses or things like that, you need to be able to give examples. So if you're going to say, oh, I read a lot, be ready to name a title, name an author and talk about it, prove that you did that. Yeah. Give some context behind it. Yeah. Like why? Because I think it's really interesting when you just have to find how to word it, whether what you're doing is, it's all personal growth, but to say, you know, I found self-isolation difficult, so I had to get really creative in how I was filling my cup. You know, I I wasn't having that in-person interaction with people at work, so I would go on walks and I would do things and find an interest in nature and interest in being outside. So just being able to speak about what you did in a way that's not like, I sat on my couch and watched TV. Exactly. And like we all did, let's be real. But I mean, yeah, even ways to say that if you were finding yourself, you know, I'm finding myself watching a lot more TV and online, but I I really work to diversify 
what I was watching and the content I was consuming and just became more mindful of that. I think yeah. that's even more impressive than saying I've binge watched Modern Family. You know, yeah. I made sure I was watching more documentaries than TV shows and things like that. So making those alterations in my day to day, I think that well, was better. Yeah. And to your point, like I think being mindful of those small changes, because I think it was one of your first podcasts where you talked about like remove, and this was like early when this was all happening and people were really stressed. And you said like, don't feel the pressure to be productive. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to be productive to ace this interview, but I'm saying, you know, to Sarah's point, be mindful of some of those minor changes you've made or some of those things that you've added to your day as something that you can talk about and uh, you know a, ch a positive change that you made so it's not necessarily taking an extra course and feeling the pressure but it could be as simple as walking right every yeah day, so. exactly yeah. like yeah i know we always struggle with that because people are always like come out of quarantine you should learn a new language and it's like okay some of us are just trying to yeah. get our days yeah sorry any employer is going to understand that. They're going to know that this is a hard time. And so just being able, I think it shows a lot to your personality and that's what they would look like and appreciate and look for in a company is the optimism and staying positive and like working yeah. productive. That doesn't always mean, yeah, you're learning that language. So I love Yeah, all I couldn't that. agree more. Do you yeah. see students? I'm just trying to think back to some of the students that we've had work for us and even just kind of share their job searching journey. But I feel like students put so much into selling themselves on their resume or cover letter or LinkedIn. And I feel like it's not even hard for them to, maybe because it's on paper, word things in a way that really sells them, even if it's kind of just boasting it all, which is totally fine. You're trying to impress someone to get a job. But then when it comes to the interview, like you're saying, people might in these questions that aren't so directed, like tell me about a time you work as a team or solve this problem, the questions they think are so related to the job, these other questions that they think are just filler and you're saying, no, they're trying to get to know you. What are some tips for them to sell themselves? Just, I mean, the one example is if they, they didn't do a lot in summer 2020, which is totally okay, but how do they tell their story to sell themselves that's going to work? Like what are some tips to kind of get yourself going, sell yourself on video for questions that don't have, you know, like specific skills or those traditional questions, these questions that are getting to know you break the ice, but you really have to sell yourself and not just answer like, oh, I read a book. What are some tips to try to make your, get yourself to that level? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think what's hard about an interview, first of all, you kind of talked about the resume too, where the resume goes through multiple edits and, and it's a safe space to talk about yourself and edit your skills in a way that make you look positive. That's the point versus the interview is live real time. And you can't pause and take back what you said and didn't say, right? Like I know myself, I have walked out of interviews and been like, I can't, for one, I can't remember what I said Two, I think I missed the following three points. Like, you know, it's, it's really nerve wracking. So I think that that's kind of a, a feature too. It's not that people don't know how to sell themselves. I think it's just knowing that it's live and there's no like edit feature right to it is really nerve-wracking but i would say be comfortable with your resume and it's part of the process you have to edit your resume to apply and then the interview comes next so at that point you should be comfortable with your resume know your experiences from the back of your hand i an interview tip that i i coach students on is whatever you put on your resume and you applied 
find one challenge that you had in that experience and one success story. You, so for school, for example, what is a challenge that you had and could be teams, could be coursework, time management, whatever, and then take a success. And then your first job, right? A part-time job you have listed. What is a challenge and what is a success? That way, if a question comes up that, you know, you have to sell yourself or you have to talk about yourself in a certain context, you at least did that homework beforehand. And you're not just trying to pull it out of a bag like a magician. Like you're, yeah. you did that homework beforehand with your own experiences and narrowed them down a little bit. And then you can pick from, you know, six or seven experiences that you've outlined. Um, and typically that's all, all you really need. Yeah. That's, that's, really that's good great advice. advice. Yeah. Oh, because I think that when I think about my resume and you always think, Oh, I, I know what I did in that role, but they rarely ask you about what you did in that role. They ask you about your experiences and the skills yeah. and, and how you were in scenarios. They didn't say, do you know how to use Excel? Things like that. Right. You're like, oh, I know what I did. So I think, yeah, that's really important to pick out specific scenarios and situations where you excelled or kind of struggled a bit. And I think that's big for students now going through and saying, okay, I was in school and then you know what, a global pandemic did hit. And now I have to learn how to learn online where it would be easy to be like, this absolutely sucks. And be kind of negative about it because it's not what they signed up for. But to spin it and say, I had to learn how to learn online. And you know what? I've found myself being really confident now in my online communication skills. Yep. Yeah, I think it's, that's really, really good. Advice. Everybody write down that example that Sarah just gave. Because <laughs> I feel like that's taking what Vanessa said and applying it right there. But it sounds too well, like yeah. enough, all your tips so far, you've been saying, you know, put the work into preparing for the interview. Yeah like all the work you put into your resume, because you do get one shot. So don't just think I'm going to go in, it's going to be fine. Like do all that prep work, whether it's in person, virtual, and be prepared. I mean, what's a harm in over preparing, right? Like you have it all at your fingers. That's the thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I want to talk about that because one thing that stuck out to me when I was going through interviews was someone told me they already like you. You're getting this interview. They already are wanting you to be there. So be confident in that. Like you don't have to go into the interview and make them like you. Like they already want you there. So if you're not confident, it comes off as you're nervous or you're shy. And that's obviously just human nature, but getting past that. But how do, what are some things to do to prepare for that interview? What are your top three things to do? There's more than three, that's fine. But what are the things that you would say that you should be doing to prepare for an interview? Yeah, everyone wants to know the top the top routine, there's a couple pieces to this. For one, you're going to be nervous. So there's nothing you can do that will remove that. You're going to be nervous. It is not a natural conversation where you're facing someone directly being asked question and answer, right? You, it's going to be intimidating and you will be nervous. And as much as it it sucks to say practice makes perfect. So the more you practice, the better you get. So the college offers a tool called interview stream. It's an online interview platform with over 7,000 preset questions, practice them like not all 7,000, but pick 50. Right. And the more you practice, the more you get comfortable kind of hearing your own voice, talking about these things, 
Um, I think that that really helps, but there's nothing that's going to remove those, those nerves. It, it's not a, a comfortable situation. And it does, like, I find, I still get stressed interviewing. It's not a comfortable situation. Right. And that's just going to happen. And you know, people are there to like, not judge you, but in a way, yeah. like it is someone saying you're good enough or you're not good enough. And maybe that's not actually what they mean personally, but as humans, we take it as that you're absolutely right. It, that's just, it's just such a. And I think it, there's no exact science to it either. And so that's the second advice I would say is there's no exact science to it because you may have the best interview you've ever had in your life and someone has an extra year experience over you and that's it, right? So I, I think that that's, don't be hard on yourself and um, you really need to be patient throughout the job search process because, you know, sometimes there's no answer. And a lot of people are coached to reach out for feedback, which is great if that's what you feel comfortable doing. But sometimes the feedback is you did great. And it's just that it wasn't like at this time, we didn't go forward. You still need to take that as a positive thing. Like, I guess I'm just mindful of like, there's no like one right way of doing it because sometimes there's no exact science and and you just may not get the job. And it has nothing. It's not because of just you. Yeah. It's it's not that one element. Yeah. I know we've been talking a lot about questions that the employer asks, but there's also questions that the interviewee can ask the employer, which I didn't know was a thing I feel like until way too late. And then when I figured out that's something I was doing, I was like, what the heck am I going to ask that I'm going to get something out of it? Doesn't make me sound like an idiot. And that is- Doesn't put them like also in the hot seat. But to also show that, I paid attention to the job posting. I did my research. Like, what are some questions that you can just prepare that it doesn't really matter, like, what the job's for? As for the end of the interview, you have prepared, and they're really questions that are going to pull some extra information or make you yeah. look really great. I was so, going to say, just to reiterate, that it's for, like, at the end of the interview when they say, yeah. do you have any questions for us? Like, you don't want to pop up in the middle of the interview and be like, well, what are your skills that you have for this, you know? Like this is for at the end of the interview when they say, okay, so do you have any questions for us? And you always find yourself being like, no, I don't think so, but thanks. And like, you just don't want to seem like you have questions, but there are questions that you can ask to even better yourself or better how you do in that interview. Yeah. So it does come at the end. They'll always wrap it up and say, do you have any questions for us? Absolutely. This is another one, right? Like I can, I'm not going to necessarily give like the top questions because then every single college student is going to ask that same question and then it doesn't become effective. But the point of that and, and why we encourage students to have questions ready is because the idea of an interview is it goes both ways. You're interviewing the employer and they're interviewing you. You also need to be able to commit to working there. I have gone to interviews where I would sit there and be like, I don't know if I like this vibe. The office was dingy and the people seem kind of like not my style. And it, it was a really great, and even some of the questions and I asked about the job, I was like, this is not, I think, a fit for me. Um, and I know it seems weird to decline a job or to um, say that when you know, you're a new grad because the jobs may be limited, especially now. But the point of those questions is for one, like Dana mentioned, you ha- they want to see you're genuinely interested in the role. Some jobs get hundreds of applications. So it's not like they have a small pool to pick from. And they just want to see that you are genuinely interested in the work and that you're going to be willing to go through the training period that they're going to provide and that you're going to stick around for a little bit, right? Like they, they want to see that 
they're going to invest in you. It's also very expensive to bring on a new hire. So just even asking those couple of questions, I think shows how prepared you are. You can decide what's important to you. And I think it comes back to your skills. Um, you know, if you're someone who's really technical and analytical and you like to work in a quiet space, what does that work environment look like? Those are things that might be really important for you to ask at that point to see if that's an environment that you can work in. You know, I personally am really invested and interested in professional and personal development. So I, one of my go-tos are always, you know, what are some opportunities that the company provides to further growth. So like, I think it's really looking at yourself and what's important to you, what's on the job posting that you have questions about. Now's the time. It's not the time to ask about your salary or your vacation. That is not the time. Uh, you can have that conversation if an offer comes through, but I, th I think they're really open to having uh, conversations about the work and the company people like to would talk you, about themselves. So would you say that these questions are an opportunity to really like to show something about yourself? Like it's an opportunity to take it to the next level. Cause I'm just thinking about what you're saying. You're right. You shouldn't, it, I mean, it makes sense that you're not going to give like three blanket questions that everyone can ask, yeah. but just listening to you, I'm thinking, okay, read the job description, think of what's important to me and then come up with those questions that are important to me and are going to show what's important to me to them, but also learn more if this is the right job for me. So would you say putting that time into those questions, just like putting all the time into your application and your, the answers to their questions, maybe I'm just getting you to, to really tell students, like that's an important part that it is, is an opportunity yeah. for you and not just yeah. to think of it as an afterthought, like really put, would you say like this actually take some yeah. time there? Well, because it creates a dialogue too. And I think every interviewer's goal is to have a dialogue with the candidate because if you're in a client facing role or, you know, a service type role, or even a, a, a team dynamic, they want to see that you're able to converse. So what that end piece and you being prepared and you having smart questions or targeted questions, it really opens up room for a dialogue and to sort of bring them into the process. Um, and I think that really shows a lot of skills. It shows your readiness, your willingness to learn, it shows your ability to communicate, you know, your personality, your engagement. So definitely be prepared with those questions at the end. I think they also like to see your investment in the company as a whole and not just in the position and the role. Like you're not just self-serving that you want this role. You, so asking something like, what, what is your community culture like? Like what do you, what's your team atmosphere like? What's the vibe in the office? Things like that that shows you're interested in outside of this role but still within the company I think is something that shows that you're invested and that's what they like to see too. I agree. In terms of the follow-up so like you're done the interview anything that you should be doing if they say okay we'll let you know yes regardless we're going to let you know in a week two weeks like what is the etiquette kind of of a post interview? You have to follow up. Follow up is part of the interview process as much as having a professional interview attire, as much as getting yourself ready with a portfolio with papers and pens and extra copies of your resume. Those are all elements of an interview. So it's not just sitting there answering questions. It's the whole package. Main goal for follow up is, so I mentioned earlier about, you know, you may not get that job not because your interview wasn't stellar, 
but because somebody else may have a little bit more experience. However, three months from now, that job reopens. You had a great interview. You followed up. They have your contact information in their email and they reach out again. It's you're kind of extending like that olive branch and you're saying, thank you so much for taking the time. You are throwing your name out there one more time and it, it kind of gives them an opportunity to reach out again. And it's that idea of being invested in the company and the role, right? Like you're taking that time to do that. If you just end the interview, walk away and they never hear from you again, why would they take the time to reach out to you if you didn't take the time to reach out to them? So the follow-up piece is really important and it's very simple. You know, I typically just, someone would have emailed you for an interview. So you have access to an email and like, usually I just say, thank you for your time. And then I always like to add a little personal element of the conversation. So if you, you know, when I go to interviews and I bring up, I'm from Timmins, usually someone's from the North and we bond over being lakeside. So I'll bring back up in the email. Thank you for your time. You know, it was great talking about being lakeside and the mosquitoes. I look forward to hearing from you for next steps. Have a great day, right? It's very simple. They probably won't respond. They usually don't. But again, that position opens up three months from now, they look back and they see you completed the entire interview process and they still liked you. I remember someone actually responded to my follow-up email once and I was like, oh my gosh, and all they yeah. did is, thank you, you did a great job, talk to you soon. And I was like, ah! Yeah, like I did end up getting the job, I just like to say, that's something that too, I'm just thinking back to what you originally learned from whatever point in your life and it just like, resume, resume, interview, interview, but it stopped at after you're like okay bye and you physically leave the yeah. building so I think obviously we'll do a summary of all the important points but ding 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 to what Vanessa was saying whoever's listening that that follow-up is key and I think so far we've talked a lot about what you should do and then you did talk about things that you shouldn't do which is don't ask about the salary or vacation yeah. time during the interview wait for an offer but what are some other just top things that to remind students like, don't do this in the interview process. Can I just add one thing going back to your, you know, it's resume interview, follow up. I also want to add networkings because then you followed up. Let's say you don't get the job. Yep. Three months from you follow up, be like, Hey, how are things? You know, I'm still interested in working with the company. If there's something of it, like, I just want to show that I just want to show that these career things aren't little silos. They're all connected. And you following up with that person and keeping that person in your contact is you building a network. And so I just want to add that that it's it's not all just silos. They're all connected pieces. And um, it makes sense because yeah. like you're saying, everyone's connected and you well, I'm sure everyone's heard the thing. It's about who you know, and there's so many jobs yeah. that don't even get posted because someone has someone in mind already and can recommend. So, and I mean, I know that to be true being older now and going through so many job hiring processes for myself to find a job, but you're right. It's, and I think that's a scary thing. I know Sarah's talked about this so many times, the word networking or putting yourself out there socially, yeah. but you're absolutely right. You, you might be making it easier for yourself to send that follow-up or yeah. add on LinkedIn and then you're in absolutely. this person's pocket and then there you go. You just absolutely. never know. Yeah, I think it also shows to your character too. And that's again, what C to stand out. So if you get an email saying, you know what, you did great, but we're actually moving in a different direction and, and you're not basically getting this job instead of just not replying and, and kind of like taking the loss being like, well, thanks so much for your time. And 
please let me know of any other positions and please consider me moving forward for anything else. I'd love this company, blah, blah, blah. Like that's going to give them like that optimistic outlook that like, it's like, I need to have this person on our team instead of just, Oh, they didn't reply. And now you're not top of mind moving forward. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Well worded, Sarah. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, for the things to not do. Okay. This is a big one. Since I've been at the college, you know, people come from different backgrounds, you know, international students with different histories, um, mature students who have had totally different lives and experiences, you know, mental health disabilities. My biggest advice to you is an interview is not a place to share your whole life story and all your feelings. An interview is still a professional, you know, conversation about your skills. There are ways if you, you know, had to be off of school or work for a couple months because of a disability, you have to be comfortable with your story and your experiences before going into an interview. Because if you have a gap, they're going to ask you about it and you need to be confident in talking about that and talking about your experiences. If you don't know how to do that, please come see us. This is what we do. But I think one of the biggest things that throw off an interview is when a question's asked, the person is unprepared and then they spiral and they give us way too much personal information. They don't know the boundary between personal and professional and it can really just throw off an interview. So you need to be comfortable with your experiences. And that's why I give the tip of finding a success and a challenge from each of the items on your resume and sticking to it. Because I think if you're not prepared that way, it's easy to spiral. It's easy to kind of go off course. It, it can really throw off the interview and then, and then you don't feel comfortable for the rest of it. So you don't make a comeback. And it, it, that's, that's hard. So I would just be mindful of that as well as if you have anything that's not so linear or straightforward, be comfortable with it. Talk about it professionally and know, yeah, know your experiences. Yeah. I love that you mentioned because that's hard to navigate to it. And even just the wording, sometimes you want to practice doing that. So afterwards we'll get some advice from you and then let students know how to connect with you because that's something that they're doing now, even though we're not in person, but with the trend of things moving online and probably majority of interviews will either be distanced or like we said, virtual, because I know when it, I was going through interview process, it was always hammered into, you know, you go in, you shake everyone's hand, you think this is the etiquette you do. So what is now some the online tips that you have maybe etiquette wise of an interview? Yeah. Because the only thing that sticks out to me is like that story that came out of the guy that was on Zoom with like his boxers on and he yeah. goes off and then he's walking <laughs> away. But you mentioned like background noise, if you have pets, things like that too. So yeah. Or just some of your like be aware of this if you're interviewing virtually. Here's your... Yeah. So I think you're doing a great job of it, by the way, Sarah. But one of the things I would say interviewing online that's really challenging too is getting your personality across. If somebody is naturally more quiet or, you know, more still, like not that that's a bad thing at all, but sometimes that comes across differently via video, right? When you're in person, you're dressed professionally and you have sort of the atmosphere to help you, it, it's a bit easier, but, but video is hard when someone's just standing there still and there's no movement. So I, Sarah, I'm saying Sarah did a great job because she's using her hands a lot and moving her head and, and, and you can feel the sense of engagement through video. And so this is why I think practicing on interview stream or even your own video camera and just see what you look like and, and be critical, right? Say, wow, I'm really not moving my head at all. And I'm just staring straight because I'm nervous. And there's what video is going to require is focus a little bit more on that engagement piece. You can be as prepared you want with your answers, but if you're sitting there monotone, 
not moving your head, all they see is your head and no shoulders, no movement. It's a little bit challenging to get personality from that. So via video, you really have to kind of exaggerate movement and like show the hands and, you know, do a, like add dynamic to it. Um, I would say is a huge tip for, for virtual interviewing. I think it makes the experience a bit more comfortable and personal. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely like YouTube it or something. I mean, yeah. I would feel like even from Instagram watching influencers that are on their stories talking on camera. It influences me when I, like I've had to make some videos for the college and at first I was like, ah, but you kind of pick up on, like you're saying, the movements and being mindful of what you're saying. But I mean, I'm very expressive anyway. Like people are like, yo, your eyebrows are all over the place. You can tell <laughs> if you're happy or upset, but yeah, you're right. Like there's no harm in practicing or looking up what other people are doing on video and yeah trying to take from them if you're naturally not expressive it might be harder but it's just showing too that you're putting the work in you're really selling yourself I mean it's okay if you're not always your facial expressions aren't all over yeah. the place normally but yeah you really have to try a bit harder when you're on video to act I'm excited well, I'm, and ready and friendly yeah. and smiling with my eyes and like that's all somebody has to look at it's just your face at that point right so like you know, I've seen a lot of students and I've, I've gone through some of their practice interviews on interview stream and like some are swirling in their chairs, but like when you only see someone's head swirling, like that's all you have to pay attention to versus in an office, there's so many other things going on. So it, it, I think it's just a really different vibe. And I think you have to be aware of how you come off off video and the best way to do that is practice. Yeah. And I think that really, it just helps with it's hard to see social cues over video sometimes. And so getting comfortable, especially I've podcasted now a ton on video. So it's, it's more comfortable to me, but even when Dana and I are both hosting and we both go to talk and I'm like, Oh, sorry, Dana, go ahead. Getting comfortable saying those things. Whereas instead of being like, uh, and then freezing, you know, like hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Cause and that's I'm gonna, the nature. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to our earlier episodes where I was cutting Sarah off every two seconds. Yeah. And then we re-recorded it because she said Namisha and I were just so awkward on the podcast. And she the said, you have scenes. to practice. <laughs> There's some behind the scenes info. So interesting, <laughs> I'm sure for everybody. But I mean, here we are too doing something new and using the same advice that it takes practice. Yeah. And I don't know who gives this advice or it's just out there in the world is that you're the most confident when you're talking about something you love or you're so comfortable with. So it goes back to what you're saying. If you're comfortable with your resume and your experience and you've practiced and you feel confident because you've practiced so many times, that's really where you're going to excel when it comes to the awkwardness of online interviews and being oh, on yeah. video. I don't think anyone really loves it, but hey, we're all doing it, right? Well, it's funny that, that you brought up being chatty because I gave the example of if you're more timid, but yeah, if you're chatty, like I have a hard time not cutting people off and Zoom does the like the yellow screen, which is nice, but like that's something that I've had to practice and learn too, is to just not like jump in as yeah, I would in person. Because they can't, Zoom or whatever doesn't pick up on the body language of when someone would be cutting in. And I remember yeah. that from the beginning. Someone was talking about that and I said, oh my gosh, it's so true. And then it's so awkward when you do cut someone off or there's a bunch of people and everyone just, they, we freeze and we don't know what to do where if it was happening in person, we'd just be bouncing off each other naturally. Absolutely. Um, but 
I know we've talked about so many things and I think to summarize one thing is that there's so much that needs practice and you need help bouncing off another person. And luckily we have people for that at Niagara College, uh, Vanessa being one of them for our Welland students and Marsha in Niagara on the Lake, plus all our amazing co-op consultants if you are a co-op student. So tell us about how you specifically can help our students and how they would get in touch with you to kind of start practicing, start talking about the job search and just start building on their skills. Yeah, so we do everything career related start to finish. So we support with, if, you, if you're at the point where you're, the resume is over, even overwhelming, you don't even know what to put on it, let's talk skills, let's talk interest, we'll do some career exploration before we even touch your resume, right? Let's figure out what you wanna put on it, what's important to you. Um, then we can do the resume, the cover letter, interviewing. LinkedIn is my fave. I'm a LinkedIn dork. I love it. We're, we're here to talk to you anything about your career. You can reach us right now through NC Career Services at NagraCollege.ca or through My Career, which is a platform that all Niagara College students have access to through MyNC apps. So if you log on to My Career, you can book an appointment with us. We will meet right now with you virtually and we can talk about whatever you want. We can do whatever you want. And a shout out to My Career. If you guys have not been on it yet, please check it out. We do have tutorials on how to log in, find jobs, and how to find all the amazing things that are on the website on our Instagram, which is at GetInvolvedNC. So please check out my career because not only does it have job postings and contact information for our career consultants, but links to interview stream, sample resumes, cover letters, tips, all the things that Vanessa kind of went over. There's lots housed in there as well if you want to kind of just get a head start. And we find that a lot of students don't actually take advantage of my career probably till they're right about to graduate. So I'm sure we all have some time. So please check out my career and that's an easy way to get in touch with our amazing career consultants that are there to help you whatever stage you're at. If you're a new student starting in September, you can still talk to them and get started. It does not matter where you are in your college journey. Yeah, I think that was a really good wrap up day and especially I was gonna say to students, as you are maybe just coming to college for the first time and we're coming at you with what to do when you're looking for a job and you're like, I haven't even started school yet. Keep these things in mind so that you're building your resume along the way. You're building it into your LinkedIn so that when you are getting to that time that you're ready for a job search, you don't have to rack your brain back as to what did I do? What did I do? So just to kind of always keep it, like I said, top of mind and what you're doing and that's how you're going to pull those skills from it. And then when you're ready, reach out to Vanessa or Marsha and they'll help you get to your dream job. So hopefully there's lots of tips in there for you to take away and start practicing and you'll nail your next interview. So big thank you to Vanessa for coming on and chatting with us. Yay. Thank you, Vanessa. You guys are great. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.